Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to the 6AM Run Podcast. I am your host, as always, Mark Paisant. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. We got a good one for you today. Uh, I have a great guest I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with. But before we get started, as always, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website, your one-stop shop, for some great running nutrition, some pre-workout, post-workout, we even got coffee over there. Um, I think you'll really like great flavors and some good merchandise. So head over to that website to get 20% off of your first order. So on today's show, we have Dr. Caroline Addington. And um, and I was just kind of teasing her a little bit about her PhD in biomedical engineering. But we may talk about that <laughs> a little bit. But we're going to talk about... Some really cool stuff because she she's helping women to lift heavy. And I know there's some women on this show that are like, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to be, I don't want to grow these, I want to be feminine and all this good stuff. But we're going to, we're going to tackle those questions. Caroline, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go and just introduce yourself for our audience? Yeah. So Dr. Caroline Addington, as you said, uh, Caroline to everyone <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, I use the doctor. I keep it because there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into it. But <laughs> Yes, yes um, of course. Yes. Yeah. But I, I transitioned out of the sciences in 2018 because um, I just was not, it was not aligned with my, my passion and my deeper purpose in life. Um, learned a lot grew a lot, but was ready to, to switch it up. So um, from there, I kind of floated for a little while in the world of entrepreneurship and found myself in a bit of a mental low point, which is when weightlifting and lifting heavy kind of found me. Um, I stumbled into it on accident and it lifted my spirits. So I did it again and again and again and again, and um, eventually went on to get certified as a personal trainer, mainly because I loved designing my own workouts and I didn't want to screw myself up. So <laughs> that's kind of what led mm -hmm. to the certification. And um, then that, you know, continued to word spread and started training friends and then ended up building a, a business out of that. But um, the thing that the deeper purpose and the deeper mission behind training, like you said, is I'm really passionate about helping women get strong, inner, outer, all of it inner strength, outer strength, the whole, the whole thing, because, um, you, you hit on it perfectly that I think so many women are afraid of being unfeminine, but personally I've come to really be suspicious of that term unfeminine because throughout history, there've been so many things that 
society's labeled unfeminine and it's really denied women access to a part of our humanity. So I think that strength and, and feeling a sense of um, resilience and capability in our bodies and in our spirit is, is a, a part of what makes us fully human. And helping people connect with that within themselves is something that gives me life, drives me forward. And I love it. And I think, and I love these type of shows because I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and do a lot of listening because, you know, I want not just women, but I want men to to hear this too because it's unfortunate that in this social media era that we live in, that a, a woman any picture a woman can post, whether she's five ten, ninety five pounds, whether she's five three, a hundred and eighty pounds, you know, bulging muscles. There's going to be some man out there that's going to say, oh, I don't like that. And it's like, who asked? Like, literally, right. who asked you? <laughs> and but before we dive into that, um, what was that transition like getting? And, and you should keep the doctor. You should keep the Ph.D. because you have worked <laughs> hard for that. But you kind of mentioned that you transitioned because you fell in love with something else. Was that kind of a gradual thing? Was that one day you woke up and you're like, you know what? I, I don't want to do the doctor stuff. I want to lift heavy weights. Like, how was that transition for you? It was gradual. Um, well, it was, it was both. Because walking away from that career, the nature of academia is once you, you know, leave the club, you leave the club. They don't... <laughs> let you back in. Um, and, and that's not always the case, but it is, you know, there's, there's some exclusivity to the world of science, um, unfortunately. So there was a gradual decision to leave, but then once I knew, I knew, and, you know, it was kind of no going back. Um, I would say the transition to, oh man, I really love lifting heavy stuff. I don't know if your podcast is explicit, so I'll say stuff. No, you can, you can <laughs> listen. You can curse all you want. All right. <laughs> I love lifting heavy shit. That transition was a little bit more gradual. Um, I actually, I built up a social media marketing company in the interim. It was just something that I figured out I was, I was kind of good at and bounced around in that for a while. Um, but I really, I kind of needed to hit a, a rock bottom to have the, it, for me personally, this isn't going to be everyone's journey, but I know for me, I kind of needed that mental health rock bottom in order to be able to say, we got to make a change and we need to really go hard at it. And so there was a lot of drive and a lot of discipline that was born out of that that spot. Um, so it was kind of a slow, gradual downhill to, you know, the, the bottom of the hill. And then, and then really once I started getting into the gym and getting into, I'd always been into fitness, but getting into lifting heavy stuff and training, which I think is personally feels very different than exercise. You know, exercise is just like, is this broad umbrella term training. You've got a goal, you've got a plan, you're on a mission. There's something that you're working towards very deliberately. And once I started training with, with heavier weights, that's, that was a steep uphill. And it was like, all right, we're, we got this. We we're on our way. <laughs> yeah. 
And you mentioned that you've been into fitness. Were you, did you play sports as a, as a child? Did you play sports or, or were you into fitness as, as a kid? Yeah. I Well, dance. When I was little, okay. I danced. Um, and then when I got older, in high school, I was playing lacrosse. And then in college, I was a rock climber. So I've always been active. Um, and actually, also in college, I was running some half marathons. So I've always been a very active person. And that's, that's part of why... When I was in the, that little rock bottom space, I was like, what always makes me feel better? Moving always makes me feel better. So let's go do that and see what happens. So you went from basically dancing to hitting people with sticks for, for sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I, uh, I, I, so I played soccer my entire life, and I remember being in college, and the lacrosse guys were like, hey, we need a goalkeeper, and it's kind of the same thing. You can be goalkeeper in soccer, and I'm like, and I saw one of the welts that one of the guys came home with. <laughs> I was like, there's no, absolutely no way I'm jumping in that goal to have people firing that thing at me all game. Absolutely not. Well, good, good, good for you. Good for you. So... Let's talk about what you just said in regard to that that training program and that goal. Because, you know, we can say we want to stay in shape. We want to get fit. We want, you know, while you were getting your doctorate, while you were a scientist, things like that, did you go to the gym? Did you run? Did you train? Did you do things like that? Hardcore rock climber. So there was a sense of purpose in that uh, because you're always trying to get the next hardest route, you know, like. For anyone, for any of the rock climbing nerds out there, <laughs> was, uh, there's there's two, there's several different styles of rock climbing, and each one has its own like grade of difficulty. So as soon as you are, you get one level of difficulty with that grade, you it's addictive. You want to get the next. You want to get the next. So there was some directionality to it, and you know when I look big picture at the healthiest parts of my life. That's always, that's been a common theme is there's directionality, there's purpose, there's data. <laughs> so even though I'm not a practicing scientist anymore, I still love data. I know runners, I feel like of all of the athletes out there, runners love data too. So that like being able to track and know that you're making progress, brains love that. We get so much dopamine from that. It's so good for our sense of well-being and, and contribution to the world. So you know, zooming out across life, the, the healthiest times have all had that element to them. And I think there's, I think there's some good, you know, good nuggets, good, good wisdom in that, that as long as we're able to see that we're making progress towards something that's meaningful to us, that's a good thing <laughs> that can carry us through some hard stuff, you know? I, I agree. And the two forms of rock climbing that I personally know, and I'll, I'll let you in on this, is uh, at Great Wolf Lodge, they have like this 20-foot wall that I um, completed the first time I did it. I want to pat myself hey. on the back. And then uh, the opening scene to Mission Impossible 2, where Tom Cruise <laughs> is like dr dramatically rock climbing and like almost slips and has like one hand and the helicopter like comes and like fine. Those are the only two forms of rock climbing that I personally know. Um, yeah. I would assume that the Tom Cruise one is a little dramatic and I think he's doing <laughs> just, something called the iron cross where he's like holding on and he's like in the shape of a cross, which is like insanely difficult for most humans. 
not not for Tom Cruise. I don't think not for Tom. Yeah, Cruise. not for Tom Cruise. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> so I apologize about going off on that, but let's get back into it. it. <laughs> so so then you say I'm going to go lift heavy weights. And what was that first few training sessions like? What was the first few times? Was it in a gym? Was it at the house? Like, did you feel comfortable picking the exercises that you were doing? Or you're like, I see everybody does bench press. I'll do bench. Like, what was that like for you the first time you did it? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because I think it's a common a common experience to be like, what the hell am I doing in here? <laughs> am I doing it correctly? Is my form crazy? Which like, probably, it probably was, <laughs> you know? Um, I think I, I think I maybe had more confidence than I, sh- than I should have. Cause I was like, yeah, we can do these things. It's fine. Like, yeah. Um, in retrospect, you know, the form was probably crazy. Everything was probably all over the place, but I definitely remember the feeling of, like get getting into the zone, getting into the flow. And that's, that's to me, what was so addictive about it, you know, is that moment where you're like, I just did a hard thing. Like I just did a really, like maybe not hard for this, like 200 pound dude over here, but hard for me. And that means something, you know, and there's, there's, uh, you know, we get all kinds of fun brain, brain chemistry and brain cocktails as a result of that experience. And it feels so rewarding to lift something heavy and, or just to do something hard, you know? And I think that iron and barbells are such a great, like tangible physical tool to represent the hard. And, and it's so visit, it's like objective. You can't tell me that it wasn't difficult to pick this, like, you know, weighted barbell up in a deadlift. Like I just picked it up off the floor. It was hard, but we did it. And I, I remember that feeling distinctly. Um, because it's again, it's all those feel good. It's all it's all the dopamine. It's the endorphin. It's all, all the feel good chemicals that we get from overcoming something. Um, I think our I think our brains. This is not based on any science. It's just a gut feeling, gut instinct. So nobody uh, take everybody take this with a grain of salt. Don't quote me on it. But I think our brains are meant for overcoming stuff. If you look at like you know, the way that our brains respond to overcoming challenges, they love it. They love it so much. It's literally addictive for a brain. So, you know, I think giving that, that stimulus, I I definitely remember that feeling of, oh man, this is great. This is awesome. I want to come back and do this again. And that has translated everything in life, you know, sending the email that, feels so scary to send or calling the human that feels so scary to call, having the hard conversation, putting yourself out there, all of these, all these little tiny scary things that um, our brain tells us are not so little and tiny and are actually like big boogie monsters. The brain loves doing them. It like, it talks, a, it, it plays hard to get and it talks a big game about how scary those things are. But then as soon as we do them, they're like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, I, I just let you know, I have quoted you already. I wrote it down and, and just, but I think, I think you're onto something there because it, it, there's so many times in life and I, I'm not only speaking from personal experience, but from, you know, conversations I've had with others where 
once we get through it, it's like, why was I, why was I so afraid to do that? Like, why was that was yeah. nothing? That was nothing. And the, the conversation we wanted to have, the the email we wanted to send, the 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 tough conversations that we want to have. Those are those are the yeah. tough ones. And then, you know, as runners, and a lot of people listening to this are runners. Like, we have the same feeling when it's like. Okay, I signed up for my first 5K. I signed up for my first. Why did yeah. I do that? Like, why that, that half marathon? And I remember, you know, training and looking back at my first 5K. I said I was going to do it. it. It's like eight. It's like probably April. I said I'm gonna I'm gonna do my first 5K in, in October. I gave myself like six months to train for a 5K, and I'm like, you could have done that in the month. Like you, why did you keep <laughs> putting this off? And I got through. And I got through it. I'm like. I want to do more of these. Like I want to do more. Yeah. I want to do longer distances. So um, there has to be, and, and just like you know, the brain with sugar. Like once you give it a taste of it, it wants more and more. The same thing can happen when you, you know, you PR that deadlift, and yeah. you talk specifically about deadlifting, and, and you say it can help us break through limiting beliefs. Why did you pick deadlifting as something that can help people break through their beliefs? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. Well, everybody, it's whatever lift feels the gnarliest to each of us individually. Mm -hmm. The deadlift for a lot of people feels gnarly. You know, it's it's a big range of motion. You're going from the ground all the way up. Um, it, you're generally you're using bigger muscle groups, so you can go a little bit heavier. And people are oftentimes kind of afraid that they're going to mess up their back. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there's like a lot of different variables in there that make that create a, a, a bigger barrier in a lot of people's minds where it feels like a gnarlier lift. For some people, that's the squat. For some people, it's the bench. For some people, it's a pull-up. Like everybody's quote-unquote deadlift is going to be different. It's whatever kind of boogeyman feels the most intimidating to each of us. It's something – this is one of my favorite things as a personal trainer is to watch someone – in this case, PR deadlift, and it's like their brain breaks for five minutes, you know, <laughs> because they never identified as the kind of person who would deadlift 100 pounds or 200 pounds or 300 pounds. They never imagined that that was a thing that they could ever do. So when they do it and they have this irrefutable proof that they just did the thing that their brain was telling them they weren't the kind of person that would ever do, it, that old story of who we are just stops working. You know, it just, it doesn't hold water anymore. It, it falls apart. And seeing that happen and experiencing that happen, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but when we're, when we're doing that with deadlifting or pull-ups or whatever it is, that's the thing that feels so ominous and so impossible for each of us individually, it, creates a template for us to take that outside of the gym, you know, and just, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but just doing the thing. And then as soon as you do it, you're like, oh, I am the kind of person who could do X, Y, Z. I can't tell you how much, after I left the science world, I would, I was so in my like analytical, you know, logical self, I, I kind of overcorrected and I went way intuitive way woo, way like into the world of like the unseen, the unknown, the spiritual, the tarot, the astrology, all the things. I did so much 
inner child work. You guys can't see me. I'm doing quotations. Not to, I mean, I'm not mocking that work. It was very important, but I did so much of it. I did so much shadow work and tr- trauma resolution and all these things, but I was still believing and, and acting out, you know, all kinds of beliefs and stories about what I was capable of and was what I wasn't capable of. It wasn't until I started, um, in my case, deadlifting, where I was like, oh, wait, I can do things my brain is telling me I can't do. Well, if I can do it here, then I can probably do it there and, and there and there and there. And starting to do the, the very things that the brain is saying, nah, 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 nah. You need to go get more credentials. You need to go um, build up your social media following more. You need to go, you know, I don't know, whatever the thing is. <laughs> um, it creates a template for doing the thing anyway and creating the proof for ourselves that that we actually are the kind of people that can go do these seemingly impossible things. And once we've done them, that story just doesn't work anymore. Those beliefs, limiting beliefs, they just break. They don't work anymore. And and I have to just apologize really quickly because I'm gonna I'm gonna go off real quick because I just I, I just found out that you are a tiger. I had no idea that you were. Um, and Wait, what is that? Did, did you go to Did you go to Clemson? Did you go to Clemson? Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> I just found I just found that out, and <laughs> I went I went to Clemson also. So um, <laughs> that is um, <laughs> this is. That's pretty cool. I I like to just so people know my process. Like I keep screens open while people are talking, just so I can keep it going. And something just told me, "Hey, go to this screen." I wasn't going to. I'm like, "Oh, that's a Clemson paw." I was like, "Wait a second. Right. So now, I just I wanted to mention that. So this is. I was like, she, I, I really like this guest, and she's really saying a lot of good stuff. And and oh, and she's a Clemson Tiger. So good for you. Kindred spirit. I Okay, exactly. When did you graduate? So, okay. Were you there? I Sorry. Was, I, no, I was, I was, I was 01. I think you were 11 when you graduated. So, or 2011 when yeah. you graduated, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So, I feel like yeah. a sense of camaraderie with the people who graduated before we were like, like killing it in football, you know, <laughs> like when we so, used to do the yes. Clemson thing <laughs> and unexpectedly Yes, I was there the year that we pulled down the goalposts when we beat South Carolina when we had three nice. wins and they had two wins. So that was, nice. um, yeah, yeah, great. But I played soccer there. We were we were very good at that time, and we I know we won the national championship in soccer a few two years ago. So okay, everybody on listening is like, oh nice. my god, Mark all t- already talks about Clemson. But okay, we'll get back. Into it. I'm <laughs> it's good a great now. school. I'm good. So yes, um, so. The thing I wanted, I definitely wanted to talk to you about is, of course, the, and you, you talked about at the beginning of the show, the, the feminine aspect of it, the female aspect, the, the helping the women and, or helping women. And I go to the gym five to six times a week. So I see plenty of people there. Um, I see so many strong women there. And I always get, uh, my, my brain gets really happy when I see strong women because I'm like, Yes. Like that is, and I'm training my sister now and she wants, she's starting to get it where she's like, Oh, I can build some muscle and I can get fit. And, and I keep telling her like, don't look at the scale. Like, don't look at it. Like that is, 
just don't do it. Because I, 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 I want to say that I want to say that to her because I was so for the first few years of my fitness journey, I was so focused on that scale that if it didn't move, I felt like a failure. Like it, I felt like a failure, and I know better than that. I know better than that now, but it came from my experience. So, with the women you work with, how often do you say the first thing they ask you? Is how do I lose weight? How do I reduce those numbers on the scale? I want to fit into this size six, and I've been in a ten for so. Like, how many times does the conversation start with that? Well, I would say I'm fortunate because when I am speaking about being in the gym, um, I don't often speak about it from an aesthetic perspective. As you can tell through this conversation, when I'm when I'm a guest on podcasts, when I'm like out in the world, I'm talking about like, let's get strong, let's do hard things. So the women that tend to gravitate towards me are like, I want to get strong and do hard things for my mental health. Um, but that said, like 100% do I have women coming to me asking about that? Yes, definitely. And there's usually a process. There's this really magical thing that I've noticed that happens. The women who are on that journey of wanting to lose weight and wanting to get into a certain pair of jeans or have some type of aesthetic, almost without fail, about a month in, they'll be like, I'm, I'm not a size two yet. <laughs> and they'll have like a little bit of a panic. They're like, I've been, I've been showing up. I've been doing the things. I've been going hard. Like, when's, when's this going to happen for me kind of energy? And it's this beautiful time where the women get to love their bodies for what they do and for what they're capable of and not for how the rest of the world perceives them. Because this girl, she's been, she's been getting it in the gym, you know, for an entire month. Her strength has gone up. She's able to see the numbers, you know, and able to see like, I started at point A, I'm at point B when it comes to the weight that I am moving. And I had a client not that long ago, this was maybe like two weeks ago. And I was like, girl, I'm going to quote you on that because I was so good. She popped out the other side of this like bubble that happens at, at about that one month point and learned to fall in love with her body for what it was doing. And, it, and came back to me and was like, I care more now about the weight that I'm moving than the weight that I'm losing. And I'm like, yes, girl, yes. Because, you know, form follows function in nature. And when we get strong and when we use our bodies and we're moving and we're, we're running and we're lifting and we're hopping around, like, you know, having a blast, the body is over time naturally going to reflect that. But it's, it's such a, I think, a privilege and an honor, especially as a woman, to love our bodies as they are before the rest of the world can look at us and say, oh, she fit. You know, like you get, you have this beautiful moment where you get to choose that you love your body now, regardless of what the rest of the world says. And then when it does change, when you do lose the weight, when, you know, you've been at this for six months, one year, and you look like a completely different person, you don't need the rest of the world to validate that for you. You did it. You did that work on the front end so that when you pop out and you're like, wow, look, like every, like so much has changed. Holy smokes. And if other people 
Because exactly like you said at the beginning, no matter what a woman looks like, the world feels like they need to comment on it. And so when you land on the other side of a you know, body composition um, transformation, but you decided to love yourself from the jump, then when someone someone's like, oh, you're looking a little a little extra jacked and a little manly, or oh, now you're too thin, or oh, da, 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 doesn't matter, you know, because so long as you're attached to needing needing that from other people, then it it doesn't matter what the body looks like. There's always going to be someone saying something. Always yeah. be something. Somebody saying something, and I. You know, from from a male perspective, and, and I, you know, I want to be fair to this, and I know that men go go through body image issues just like like women, but I think there is a, it, they're both unique in their own sense. Where you know, I've had my my body image issues, and and you know, it's it's very. I think I, I'm going to say is I might get hell for this, but the positive connotation when you say dad bod. It's like, oh, I want a guy with a dad bod. It's like, oh, that's like we feel certain women, certain people feel away. Okay, that means he's successful. He's got a family. Like he doesn't have time for himself. He just takes care of his family. But the moment you mention a mom bod, that can be, that's not the same thing. That's literally not the same thing. And and no one really says it. And so you to think that they're the same is is not being fair. And, you know, the work that you do and the woman you work with because what I what I'm getting at is there is a mental aspect and a mindset aspect to the work that you do and, and the work that you've done on your on yourself. And that's a big part of, you know, what I do, too, because is if the first time listening to the show, like I have the other podcasts relatively normal about mental health. And I've talked about, you know, the, the struggles that I've had. And now how I finally found that mind-body connection when I exercise, when I go for a run, when I go to the gym, when I when I even stretch or something like that, like it makes it makes my brain happy. It makes me really happy because I've connected the two and I've not disconnected them. Like in the past, I'd really work on, you know, focusing on my mindset, you know, doing the meditation, the mindfulness stuff, and then I'd leave out the physical fitness and then other parts of my life yeah. I'd go I'd run 120 miles a week I'd go to the gym every day and I'd forget about the mindset and so the work that you're doing because you've been through it you 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 even list there's a you know a part of your life a point where you felt depressed about who you were and what had you know transpired in your life and, and you're using this portion of the lifting heavy staying fit to work on that mindset phase too. So the work that you do with women, how do you help them connect that mind-body? Because there is a, a true connection there. How do you help them connect that? Because I'm assuming here, but I think the last thing you want is for this woman to come to you unfit, become fit, but still not mentally be there. Like we want to work on physical fitness and mental fitness. How do you, I guess it's a two-part question, like how do you help women get there and how do you get there yourself? I wish I knew, <laughs> like, to be honest. Um, I, I wish that I could define it in a, in a simple step-by-step, here's how we do it kind of thing. Um, and maybe one day I will. I'm, I'm actually 
right now, my I one of the projects that I'm working on is putting my science hat on to look at um, environments and like get into the scientific literature on what is it about certain environments and certain relationships and certain experiences that help cultivate that and help us to embrace um, what Dr. Leah Crum at Stanford calls a stress is enhancing mindset. Brilliant woman doing incredible work um, around like how we perceive stress and how we optimize stress. I'm sure that your listeners also love Andrew Huberman. I feel like he's like, you know, the savior of all exercise enthusiasts everywhere. And he's had her on the podcast. It's a really good episode. Um, But she has done a lot of work around looking into, okay, when we adopt this stress is enhancing mindset, what's happening behaviorally, psychologically, biologically, and what kind of environments, what kind of um, inputs and influences uh, or influencing agents, I guess, can help facilitate um, us adopting that mindset. Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think what is part of um, cultivating this mind-body connection is that stress is enhancing mindset. Because then we don't have to check out in order to be in the physical challenge, you know, because I, I know at least for my, I I would be interested to hear if this is your experience too, but I know at least from my experience when I've had that separation, like you were describing where, you know, you're on it with the fitness, but the mind, the mental side and the the mindfulness side is kind of out the door or vice versa. I was checking out. I felt like I needed to check out of one or the other instead of being able to combine both. And I think when we have more of a stress is enhancing mindset, we can be in the thick of physical challenge. We can be in the thick of training and not check out. Um, So my hypothesis as to how it happens, because it is this magical thing that happens just kind of by doing it. My hypothesis is that that's what's going on is we're learning how to cultivate a stress is enhancing mindset. I call it this is going to sound so intense. I call it the gospel of hard that we're spreading the gospel of hard, you know, embracing the things that are hard um, as good for us and beneficial for our brains and our bodies. And um, that's my hypothesis, but I'm still in the thick of testing that in a really, um, you know, experimental and scientific way. I've actually created a, what I've called a gospel of hard challenge for my clients. So after their first training block, their first like three month foundational strength training block, I give them this challenge and they love it and hate it. And then after it's done, it's like it, it's just hard enough that their brain is going to try and tell them it's impossible, but it's not so hard that it's actually impossible. It's really fun. And it kind of helps cement that stress is enhancing mindset. And then on, on the other side of it, they're like, I just did that. I can do hard things. And in fact, I like doing hard things. And this is actually a really wonderful thing. So it kind of helps cement that mindset. Um, So I'm using that challenge to actually gather a lot of fun data about (laughs) whether or not this hypothesis is true. Because even though I'm not in the sciences anymore officially, you can't take the scientists out of me. Um, But as of yet, it's it's still a hypothesis. And I, I look forward to it because you're, you're absolutely right. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where like, it just clicks one day. It literally just clicks one day. And, 
you know, so many people have, at least in, in my past, they've, and I've said this out loud and, and, you know, nothing wrong with it, but they're like, you know, I, I run to escape or I go to the gym to escape. And it's like, now I go there to lean into it. Like I go there yeah. to be fully engaged in it because what I found and I'll, I'll again, I'll, I'll use a personal reference here is, is when I would have those really down days or a hard day at work. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go for a run and just forget about it. And then on my run, I'm like, well, I still got to get back to it. Like I still like it's still there. Like it's still it hasn't gone anywhere. And yeah. what I found is that if I switch that mentality and I say, well, I'm going to go for a run so I can really think about this, I can get my mind. Yeah. Right. And it's such a better workout. And I come back, refresh, relax. A lot of times I've, you know, I have a reframed mind where I can think of it from a different angle. And I'm sure there's some science in there. I'm sure my, my synapses and stuff is going off. And I, I, I remember certain things about sixth grade science. Like I can use the words, <laughs> you know what that means. So, um, and other, like, I, 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 I don't know if I'm left brain or right brain. That's even a thing. I'm not going to let you answer that because this is not about that. This is about fitness. So um, we'll get back into it. So now the space that you're in, how do, how do you feel about that moment that your client like sees her first muscle or sees that definition or like they get into that shirt or those you know, I, I, I'll go ahead and put it out there. Like I never had glutes and like I put on tights now. I'm like, oh, Mark, good job. So you have that, you have that woman that puts on the tights for a first time. It's like, man, I got, I have quad muscles. Like, wait a second. Like they put on the, the shirt and like, hold, wait, I, I have shoulder. Like talk about that when that person sees that for the first time. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Especially in the context that we were talking about earlier, if they've embraced the process prior to that, you know, then it, it's this magical thing where you get to see the physical representation of your work and your physical representation of your strength. You know, um, it, it, it's a beautiful thing to watch like the eyes light up and they're like, oh shit. And oftentimes they don't even necessarily see it themselves because they see themselves in the mirror every day. And then I'm like, sis, like you got a little ridge of something going on here. <laughs> like, and they're like, oh dang, I do. Um, but having done that, like that foundational mindset work that we were talking about earlier to decide I love my body now. And then to see those changes, I think it means something more than just it's working in air quotes. You know, it means like, look at what this muscle, like what this muscle means. It means I'm strong. It means that I've like put in the work and I've taken care of myself and I've put in the time, shown up for myself for months. Like I think that that, that is, is what's so exciting about it is to see the excitement um, in a, in a client's face and in a client's expression, knowing all the work that they've put into it. It's, it's great. Plus it, it just gives you ownership over your body to be like, Oh yeah. I, I can, you know, express my strength to the world however I want. And mm. 
and look, I'm doing it. I'm making that happen. Yeah. I, I, I love, I, yeah, it's, it's the best. And, and I, I know that feeling. I know I feel it for myself and for others, but, um, before we even get to that point and, or first someone gets to that point, there's someone listening and they're like, okay, I've, you've convinced me I'm going to try it. What are some pointers that you can give? And I don't want you to give your whole, you know, uh, series away or, or, or give anything out for free, but you know, someone's like, okay, I'm going to yeah. try it. I'm going to go, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to put on the, the shorts and the t-shirt. I'm going to put on the sweats and put on the t- whatever it is. And I'm going to go, where should somebody start when they decide that they're going to start weight training? Yes. I'm so glad you asked this question. My favorite piece of advice is to start with a winnable strategy. So what I mean by that, and going back to the brain, what I mean by that is setting yourself up so that every time you walk through the gym door, it's a win and you get a hit of dopamine. What I see all the time is people are like, all right, I'm going to do the things. I'm going to go to the gym four times a week and we're going to do all these workouts. And And realistically, all the other priorities in their, their life might not make that possible. It might be a once a week thing. It might be a twice a week thing. But if you set yourself up to, to win right out of the gate, it becomes something that is addictive that you then naturally and organically want to increase, um, the frequency of your training. So if you know for freaking sure that you can get there twice a week, at least 85 to 90% of the time, then start there, you know, because then every time you walk through the door, you're like, I did it. I did the thing. I'm here. We're winning. This is great. We're getting the dopamine versus if you set yourself up and say, okay, I'm going to go four times a week, but the reality is maybe you can only go twice a week and you miss Monday, you miss Tuesday. By the time you walk in on Wednesday, you're already beating yourself up because you're like, and and you don't get that same sense of progress because your brain is like, you already blew it, you know? So that's, that's always my first piece of advice for people is to start with a winnable strategy. Um, start with the level of commitment that you know you can do and let it organically increase from there because there's no finish line that we're rushing towards. You know, there's no, I know it's April. I don't know when this will drop, but people are, people get all up in a frenzy about getting a bikini bod, you know? (laughs) And, and so there can be this sense of like, I got to get this, I got to squeeze this in, in the next three months. But the reality is it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong, um, relationship with ourselves and with our fitness and starting that off on a strong foundation is much more valuable than, you know, getting, getting the body that society tells you, you should have in order to put in a, in a bikini, you can put whatever body you want to put in a bikini yes, and yes. six months from now you can still be training. <laughs> yes. Thank you for saying that because you're absolutely like, live your life. Like I know it's, I'm saying those words and it's like, Oh, Mark said it. I'm going to do it now. Like, I know it's not that easy, but you know, I, I, I was just thinking about this actually earlier today. Um, because again, just a quick self plug, I don't mean to do this, but I, I had a series of, of shows on, on, on body, on body image. And it was a series called, you know, let's get naked basically. And it was all on, you know, my, my, journey with body image and 
like I, I came to the realization that I don't want to just live this life like always thinking about what others think of me. Like I don't care. Like I lost. So people know. Like at one point I had lost over a hundred pounds, and of course I have extra skin on my stomach, and I would do everything to like not show people that. And it's like you know what? I don't care. Like I worked my ass off to <laughs> to do this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna post the IG photo with without the shirt on, without the beach. I'm gonna do it because this is me. Yeah. Um, and I think more people should kind of understand that life is supposed to be lived it's supposed to be lived and you'll get to your 40s 50s 60s and realize that I should have done that I really should have just lived it and I think you're doing a great job with women and helping them get to that point because we all need some coaching at some certain points in our life so we all I need co I, I know I need the coaching so um and now with the work that you're doing you have created and I think I'm co-create. Is that the name of your podcast? Is that the That's the name of my podcast, name? yeah. <laughs> so you have created co-create. Talk about the podcast. <laughs> Talk about what people can expect when they listen to this show. Yeah, yeah. So co-create is a meld of things, which is why it's got a vague name like co-create. <laughs> so it's it, it it gives an insight into um not just the gym and gym culture and a lot of what I've been talking about so far around like how we can make the gym a happy place using neurobiology instead of forcing ourselves to go there and, and depleting our willpower or how can we, how can we use exercise and physical challenge to optimize our response to stress? So there is like some fun science talk in there because I can't help myself, but there's also meditation teachers and martial artists on there, New York Times bestsellers, psychedelic therapists, breathwork, you know, facilitators. So we take a really holistic uh, approach to well-being and, and wellness beyond just lifting weights. Although, of course, I definitely talk about lifting weights as well. Um, and it's a very laid back, laid back place to to just come and learn about feeling comfortable in our skin and <laughs> feeling comfortable mm. in our bodies uh, and in our minds, whatever that means for, for the people on the other side. And that, first of all, I love that title. I think it's a, a great title, co-create. Um, very easy to remember. And I hope everybody goes out and, and listens to the show. Before we kind of wrap this up and I let you plug some things, what's your, what's your, fa what's your favorite exercise to PR on? Ooh, my favorite exercise to PR on is the squat because when I first got started, I had some knee issues. I had a lower back injury that was nagging me. So it was something that was slow to catch up with some of my other lifts. So that one is very meaningful to me when I PR on the squat. My favorite lift to do is the deadlift. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. I love... I, I love the squat for like, it really pushes me. It really, it's really something I know a lot of guys will go in there and I see around three o'clock every day. If I end up at the gym at that time, which I do not like going to the gym in the afternoon, but I see a lot of, yeah, it's rough in high schooler, high schoolers around the, the bench press. And that's literally all they're doing. And I'm like, man, 
got to get out of that mindset. Like, come on, like, body. <laughs> come on, guys, come on, guys. So, well, yeah. And I, I, I love the squat and people are like, I hate it. I, I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm, I have legs tomorrow and I'm looking forward to going and doing squats. So, nice. um, Caroline, thank you so much for being a part of the show. How do people find out more about you online? How do they see what you're doing and social media? Yeah. CarolineAddington.com. Best spot for all the things. Um, co-create the podcast is on all the places where podcasts live, iTunes, Spotify. Um, you can also listen to it through my website if you want. And I'm caroline.addington underscore on Instagram. Although I have been taking a bit of a social media hiatus, which has been really wonderful, but I think I'm going to start, start getting back into it. So those are all the places. Good for you, because I, I know I did the same thing a while ago. So we will have uh, a link to her website in the show notes. Actually, you could pause this show right now and go to the show notes and look for her website and look for co-create, listen to it right after this show and subscribe to it. Caroline, thank you so much for being a part of the show. This was amazing. Keep doing the work that you're doing. And honestly, I look forward to your hypothesis on that mind-body connection. I'm sure it will be very interesting not to put any pressure on you. So thank you so much. You have a great rest of your day. Okay. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. This has been great. Thank you as always for listening to the 6am run podcast. Again, I'm your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.